0: Hooray! We're celebrating a fifth birthday this year. The United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. They were born in 2015 and agreed upon by the world's governments. Altogether, there are 17 goals to make the world a better place and they must be reached before 2030. So we're in a bit of a hurry. One way to move forward is to include private businesses in the race to reach the goals. That was actually the idea from the start. The concept is that companies will make a profit, while at the same time contributing to societal issues like gender equality, climate action, and the protection of ecosystems. It's been predicted that there's a $12 trillion business potential in addressing the world's most pressing issues. So how's it going today? Have businesses grabbed the opportunity? And how does a business perspective on the 17 global goals work in reality? In this episode, we'll hear discussions and examples of how the sustainable development goals have become a driver for business. And we'll also hear how businesses from the Nordic countries and abroad are working to promote the goals. I'm Afton Halloran, and you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast.
1: And three years ago, I founded Develop Diverse. Our vision is to normalize diversity. This is Jennifer Clausel Tormos from
0: Spain. She's the CEO and founder of the software company Develop Diverse. Jennifer was among the speakers at a live Nordic Talks event arranged by the Danish magazine and think tank Monday Morn, or Monday morning in English. The event was recorded in Copenhagen during the Sustainable Development Week. Jennifer speaks from the perspective of small and medium-sized enterprises. Globally, more than 50% of new job creation comes from these two types of firms. And according to the United Nations Development Programme, such companies are essential in achieving the Sustainable Development Goals. In a minute, we'll hear more about how Jennifer's company makes a profit while aiming to achieve several of the 17 global goals. Later, you'll meet the founder of a Danish app helping people all over the world make tasty food with what's already in the fridge. And you'll meet an innovator whose initiative has been taken to an unexpected place because of the goals. But back to Jennifer, who has made a business out of selling software that can recognize gender bias in job recruitment among other things. Today,
1: looking different, being different, affects how our skills, our abilities, and our potential is perceived. And this affects our chances to get a job, a promotion, and how big or small our salary is going to be. So how do we help companies normalize diversity? We provide them with a software, a software for their HR, for their employer branding, for their leaders to develop a culture of inclusion. And the software does it in two ways. One way is by ensuring that their communication and recruitment content is inclusive. Everything from their job descriptions, their website, their emails, um, their social media. So make sure that this content doesn't have any unconscious bias. So making it a bit easier to understand, it works like a spell checker. But rather than checking for spelling errors, it checks for bias language, so language that can discourage somebody unconsciously and proposes for every non-inclusive word, proposes inclusive alternatives. And it also does it uh, with a second way. It helps every person, an HR leader and uh, employer branding uh, responsible, to unlearn their own unconscious biases. It does it because it teaches them why the word they use that was biased, why it was biased. And that's a way to slowly unlearn and trigger a behavioral change. We know language builds a culture as much as culture builds a language. And research articles, peer review articles, have shown that we communicate in a biased language. A language that decreases the attraction to work for a company, the feeling of belonging, ultimately also their performance. Companies using Inclusive language, they attract and retain more diverse and qualified applicants from day one. We don't have to wait 100 more years to wait for a mentality change, but we can use technology to speed up the process. This means that Jennifer's company's work
0: touches on the goals concerning not only gender equality, but also the goal of decent work and economic growth, as well as reduced inequality.
1: By ensuring that we have an inclusive communication and that we learn our biases, we can provide equal opportunities for everybody independent on the diverse group, either gender, ethnicity, age, neurodiversity, physical disabilities, sexual orientation. And by providing equal opportunities, we help them to have equal access to get a job, a promotion, or a salary raise. And ultimately, this will promote social, economic, and political inclusion for us all. We know today, most of underrepresented groups, they are either employed or with lower salaries. So if we ensure that we have a higher salary for those, we can increase the GDP of a country as well. So you can say that the software that Jennifer is selling in itself
0: promotes the goals. And that's also the case for another one of the participants at this event, Mikkel Hesa from Denmark. Mikel is the CEO and founder of PlantJammer, an app that helps promote sustainable eating. This means two simple things, more plant-based eating and less food waste. The app is a little bit like having a personal chef in your pocket. It helps people around the world to build plant-based dishes using ingredients right in front of them.
2: Yesterday, we helped uh, 150,000 people across 30 different countries uh, empty their fridge and cook with what they got. And that's what we do. They have an expression in, in India that goes... The economy grows at night when the government's sleeping. <laughs> and we believe that in sustainability, we can empower you know, everyone to make a difference. Within food in particular, it's an area where you don't need infrastructure, you don't need regulation, you can do the difference yourself. And we do that. How do we do it? Um, so normally, if you come home and you're going to be emptying your fridge, you might ask Google, and we all know how difficult that is. You write zucchini salad recipe and you get... 1.4 4 million results, uh, and you take the first one, it's got, you know, uh, basil in it, you could don't have that, the next one's got, you know, broad beans, and you don't know what it is, and this is when you give up and you make spaghetti bolognese once again, right? Um, this is what it happens to us on a regular basis, so we developed a better technology, we trained an artificial intelligence to learn how to cook. Uh, and then you can talk to this artificial intelligence in an app, where you basically tell that, What do I have of ingredients? You get proposals for what can I make with it. But also you'll be given advice by the AI about what other ingredients can I add to make this truly delicious. And then you might find a soy sauce in the back of your closet that adds on top and makes it tremendous.
0: The very existence of the Sustainable Development Goals has been a huge driving force for both Jennifer and Mikael's companies.
1: When having the SDGs agenda, that we need to achieve them by 2030, has helped companies to suddenly put diversity and inclusion in their agenda. And if they had it, they even move it from a nice to have into a must have. They have started challenging their own processes, challenging the status quo that they have been working on all the time. And they start reaching out to solutions like ours.
2: In the few four years that we've been in operation, we've seen a dramatic change in, in the conversation. Uh, when it comes to sustainability in particular. Um, but you would see it definitely also in diversity, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we've gone from a place where we, we talk about, let's say, uh, stopping food waste or even more talking about eating plant based. It used to be this hippie idea that someone would talk about in the corner and, and you know, it would, it sort of, that's cute, kind of would be the reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the whole conversation around SDGs basically made this mainstream. And basically meant that we sort of crossed the chasm from mm-hmm. it being this like minute niche idea mm-hmm. to being, of course, that's something we need to work on. And it's one of those solutions we need to we have agreed to, to target. Mm-hmm. So this making the conversations a lot easier now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. And it's making it easier to crossing the chasm, meaning going from niches when it comes to getting employees, when it comes to getting investors, when it comes to getting customers, um, to, to, to not being a niche to actually being mainstream. And if it wasn't for, like, the work with SDGs that sort of put this on the map, we would still have been a niche.
0: Being selective and precise. That's one piece of advice to companies trying to address any of the global goals. Choose one idea and make it happen. And that's exactly what one of the speakers at this event has done.
3: When we were talking about doing a women's football tournament in Saudi, we knew that it was going to be an interesting journey that we were going on.
0: This is Maiken Gilmarten. She's the CEO and co-founder of the Danish initiative Global Goals World Cup. It's a street football tournament played all over the world, for women only. The purpose is to use women's football as a vehicle to promote the sustainable development goals. So far, over 500 teams have played in 15 tournaments all over the world. This has raised awareness of environmental protection, social justice, and gender equality amongst the millions of people who have watched the games. And when Maiken and her colleagues took the tournament to Saudi Arabia, they discovered just how powerful the very existence of the goals can be. In
3: conversations with them, and and all the level, I mean, talking to everybody, working with a group of women within the Sports for All Federation, um, they picked life on land to to kind of has as the overall goal for the, for them to build this. And uh, and several months into the work, working with them, they came back and they've now they've made these sixteen areas around in Saudi Arabia where there's women's football on a weekly basis, uh, and. Uh, they have gotten very little um, uh, shit <laughs> mm. for for doing what they're doing and they feel very much protected by the goals. Mm. So that there is actually a purpose of why bringing sport into the into the world of women in Saudi Arabia, uh, that that kind of protection has, uh, we've we never thought about that before, that that could be a protection for our teams more than just it's a very great, you know, uh, um common uh, ambition and common to-do list for everyone, also within companies and, and countries mm-hmm. and cities and whatever we work with. And we can see that uh, using play to create change is is a given if we make sure that our teams have enough time to either learn to play football if they don't come from the world of football, or learn how to activate, if they don't come from the world of activate, activation, if we make sure that they have enough of those hours, then we have, uh, out of our 550 teams, we have uh, 94% of the teams that continues playing after seven months of our tournaments, if we make sure that they have enough of those hours together. So uh,
0: it is um, an activist football tournament for sure. While she speaks, Maiken holds a football in her hand. It's not just your average football, but a specially designed global goals ball that has icons of all the 17 SDGs printed on it. In all the places the tournament is played, spectators have the chance to buy this ball. And so, this is just another example of how the SDGs can lead to new business opportunities. The goals make a lot of things easier as a company if you do it right.
2: When you want to work with SDGs as a company, it has to, you have to breathe it. Uh, and it has to be completely full, part of your lunch, the way you have lunch uh, in the office, uh, the way you build product, the way you talk to people. Um, and, but once you do that, and do that extra effort of, of, of really making it part of your, your DNA, you, you get a special advantage. That's what we felt as a four-year-old company. Um, it's easier to hire people because people want to work on something important. It's easier to get investors, because people want to be part and support something important. It's easier to get people to become customers, because people want to support, and they want to be part of something that's important. And most importantly, it's easier to get up in the morning, uh, because you're looking forward to doing what you do. And that goes for every employee you, you have around you, and every customer you have around you, and every investor you have around you. So once you do that extra effort, you really can make that change, and it's really worth it because it makes it for an easier change. But it's not easy, and that's what's really important here. You don't get SDGs with labels. You don't get it with you know uh, little initiatives. It's really something you got to breathe. Um, and that's what we try to do every day in PlanTammer.
0: Mikhail, Maiken, and Jennifer all find it important to have legal frameworks and political decisions to refer back to. But very often, change comes from people, organizations, and businesses themselves.
1: We believe that the SDGs made an impact, but we believe as well that the social movements, such as Me Too, uh, Black Lives Matter, and others, and getting public people to speak up, like in Hollywood, um, mm. this has actually moved the agenda more uh, within organizations than just the SDGs. Mm. Uh, but definitely now it is on the agenda and as I mentioned, it moved from nice to have into a mass-have. Now it's a race, who is going to do the best?
2: What we've seen happen with the SDGs is this positive energy of creativity that with play. Uh, creativity with art that's playing a role in SDGs as well now. Creativity with you know, uh, cooking uh, and all kinds of aspects where suddenly we're unleashing something else in the legal sort of aspect. And that's a very positive thing that should continue. Um, but it shouldn't be instead of having legal frameworks that, are, that people will have to abide to, of course.
1: I would like to add that, um, briefly that I believe this should be a combination as well of uh, legal actions and implementation of new regulations. But people are taking the lead. Uh, people are embedding this new way of working. Uh, we have seen COVID. Uh, some people would say, given COVID, uh, maybe suddenly diversity and inclusion stops being a priority. We have seen it's not. So even in, time, in moments of recession or when the SDGs will supposed to be achieved, we see that now it's being ingrained in the culture of the companies. They care for the environment genuinely. They are caring for their employees genuinely. And their employees are asking for it. So that's, I see more of a mentality change that is happening during, during those years that will stay. We can see that having gender quotas or diversity quotas does help taking it more serious. Does help... Taking looking for uh, actions to, to make a difference because until now it was on the lower level, but having them, but those are quotas that companies impose themselves, it's not the government. The government goes placing another level, but definitely, the talking about regulations, we can see that this is what changes faster the drive into a change.
3: We started working with the city of Copenhagen last year. And the whole idea for them just realizing that when big events are coming in, of course, not right now, but when they mm-hmm. are actually coming into this this country, for the city to be able to, to make demands that was about the sustainable development goals. So seeing them suddenly stepping in into saying, and now it was the European World Cup for men that was the kind of the it's going to be the the first one that they really wanted to try to implement in but they and and we see that around the world we work with the city uh, of buenos aires same thing they suddenly start making demands to all the people that are coming in doing their events when it comes to food
0: and use of plastic and uh, electricity and stuff like that so it's clear that government set the legal framework and then businesses and other partners have a role in helping to achieve the sdgs but what about you and me As individuals, is there anything that we can do? Let's hear the advice from Jennifer, Mikkel, and Maiken.
1: Something that is difficult to do something about usually is uh, to be surrounded by diverse people. We tend to say our country looks very homogeneous. so how is diversity actually important in my country? So I would tell you that by default, you will be always surrounded by people that look like you. And it's not bad, it's just normal. We grew up in certain neighborhoods uh, surrounded by certain type of people. So if we want to normalize to make diversity a new normal, we need to make this extra effort to get, become friends of those that don't look like us. We have to make this extra effort to join networks of people that do not look like us. Because until we do not do that, until we do not surround ourselves by people that do not look like us, we will, don't, we will trust them less we, because we, it's normal. Um, affinity bias is that is that labeled. We tend to feel trust to those that look like us. So by putting this extra effort to end the everyday life with your friends, being surrounded by people that do not look like you will help you in your workplace to be happy and welcoming people that do not look like you.
2: I have a quite concrete one. I obviously believe in, in, in what we're doing, and I believe in, in you know a lot of uh, empowerment from the bottom, you could say, uh, of individuals. However, that cannot stand alone. It is. By sort of definition, what you in economics call an externality, when we talk about most of these problems related to the SDGs, meaning my behavior impacts someone else. And that means normal sort of free markets doesn't always work in this case. So I would argue for you all to sign the petition that's out there about having an actual CO2 tax in our system that will affect the way we eat, the way we drive, the way we live our lives, by giving us all incentives to act in interest of all of us.
3: Make a choice to trust people. So whoever you are with, just decide that you trust them and that you like them and you consider them as potential new friends uh, in your life. And then... I will add that, uh, as Nietzsche says, never trust an idea that wasn't done in movement. We've been sitting. <laughs> <laughs> so I think remember, remember play throughout your life. Uh, playing together, it's not necessarily a football game or a volley game, but it is playing, interacting and being physically moving in, in your life. I think it really adds to your creative way of being present in the world and being together
0: with others. there are so many good reasons for businesses to pursue social impact and engage with the sustainable development goals. Beyond just helping our planet, blending purpose with profit has many advantages. First of all, you meet the expectations of a growing group of consumers that think businesses should show responsibility in addressing pressing societal issues. And secondly, it can actually attract investments and much better employees to the companies. And as we have learned, there's a lot to be gained from surrounding yourself with people who are and think different from you. If you want to be part of a live Nordic Talks event, check out our website, nordictalks.com, to learn more. I'm Afton Halloran. Thanks for listening.